0: Today, Marla is here to inspire you to take action on your dreams and reveal secrets to success that will help you realize your own unique power with the Million Dollar Mindset. Today, she'll share heartwarming stories, teach you tips and tricks to building a successful business, plus how to unlock the secrets to creating a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset. And now, here's your host, Marla Tabaka.
1: Well, I couldn't think of a happier way to spend my afternoon than spending it with all of you. Thank you so much for tuning in to Million Dollar Mindset Radio. I am Marla Tabaka, and I look forward to spending this hour with you and with our super guest, Amy Tepper. And Amy is an attorney with offices right here in my hometown of Naperville, Illinois, and she has got fifty over 15 years of experience in Business and Corporate Law, Employment Law, and Intellectual Property. Wow, all of my favorite topics to learn about because they all happen with my clients. And uh, of course, Amy represents a wide variety of clients from individuals to corporations. So we're going to tell you how to reach Amy later in the show. But how this started was that uh, for some reason within one week, I got bombarded with legal questions from my clients. And so I decided, hey, I've got to find a really gifted, Attorney with lots of experience to bring on the air and and kind of uh, highlight some of the some of the pieces of these questions with with answers, although they'll be you know somewhat vague. I'm sure in terms of you'll need more help to follow through in most cases. But I thought we could take a look at them with Amy Tepper, and so that's what we're here doing today. Thanks so much, Amy, for uh, accepting this invitation.
2: Of course, I'm happy to be here. Thank you
1: absolutely we've got uh, a lot of people out there amy who who don't realize necessarily the ramifications of their choices whether it's something that can happen in the immediate future or down the line in in their business and so being a business coach, of course, I hear from people all the time with, well, I don't know how to do that. And, you know, or they'll tell me they're going to do something. I'm like, wait, ah, put on the brakes. You need an attorney before you do that. You know? So, the first question I have for you before, and I want to learn a little bit about you too, but first question I have for you um, is, do what what parts of the country can you practice in? Is it just Illinois, or are there parts of your practice where you can practice in other states?
2: So I am, I am licensed to practice in Illinois, um, mm-hmm. but what that means is uh, my uh, signature can go on documents that are filed with the court in Illinois, but that I, I can provide counseling um, and guidance for people across the country um, and if there is a time where you know local counsel is needed, whether usually it's typically for a court action, then we can bring in local counsel. But otherwise, I I have uh, jurisdiction, so to speak, to uh, talk on on laws throughout the country.
1: Oh, that's so good to know. So then, when my clients have these questions or they need somebody to draw up a partnership agreement or something, can you do that? Absolutely. Woohoo! I'm so glad to have you in my hip pocket. <laughs> so, Amy, this show, as you've noticed, is called The Million Dollar Mindset. And uh, my goal here is just to inspire and teach and, and support small business owners and anybody else who who needs, it, which is everybody, a positive, wonderful, uplifting, um, creative mindset to achieve their goals. And I think that starts with passion and purpose. And you've been an attorney for 15 years now uh, so I know that that came from somewhere what what is your story how did you get into law and and you know what do you find fulfilling
2: about it so I uh, I went to I'm, I'm from the Chicago area originally and uh, uh, went to undergrad here and I had taken a year off um, and worked in uh, marketing for a little bit and thought to myself you know I've always wanted to go back I've always wanted to go to law school um, why not give it a try? I didn't have any attorneys in my family. There was really no one to give me any guidance, so it was scary and and it was a struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things, interestingly, that I was worried about is that I what I did do is interview a lot of attorneys before I went to law school, and I said, you know, there's a part of me that's a little bit of a creative person. You know, is there any room for creativity in the law? And interestingly, now that I have my own practice. Um, there is, and so I'm, I'm fulfilling that part of it as well. But um, there's lots of different types of lawyers is what I'm, I'm trying to say. And and it's not all um, – you don't have to be a certain way, and I was worried a little bit about that of having to be aggressive or having to be contentious. And uh, so I've kind of – it's been great because I've created my own path and I've tried it to, to uh, work in a little bit of the creativity and, and communication and, and just having ex- – to be able to mm-hmm. explain to folks in layman's terms that the law is not scary, and we'll get through this together. I'm here to handle it, and uh, and and so that's really kind of become my passion within the law.
1: That's wonderful, and and it's clear that um, you practice law within your with. With integrity and, and within your value system and that you still want to really help people and it sounds like that's your number one mission is to really help people and, and help put them at ease as much as possible. Um, and and it's it's fun and it's rare to find somebody who who does that so thank you for that on the behalf of all the business owners and anyone else who uses
2: your services out there of course yeah of <laughs> course absolutely it's uh it can be scary and i think there's a presumption that attorneys are scary themselves and and that uh, mm-hmm. as soon as the attorney picks up the phone the the meter starts running and uh it is just one big expense or headache and that's but it doesn't have to be that way and i guess i'm trying to um create an avenues for uh for it, for it not to be that way for folks
1: yeah and i've had that experience myself i've had both types of experiences fortunately um so you know i think that that's an important point to make that that that's part of the nervousness uh, that people have when they're, they're seeking an attorney's advice is, is the money, of course. That's probably the number one thing. Um, but the, the second thing is that it's like going to the doctor. When I finally have this consultation or I finally engage this person's services, I'm going to hear things I really don't want to hear. I'm going to hear that, you know, the bad news is all the news we have. And uh, mm-hmm. so how do you put your clients more at ease?
2: I think, really, uh, using that analogy of going to a physician, the sooner you go, the better, right? The sooner yes. you catch something, um, the easier it is to solve the problem. And the same is true for the for for legal issues. If you can get out um, in front of a problem and deal with all the possible ramifications at the outset, um, it's a lot easier than trying to clean up when the problem actually happens. And so, you know, people don't like to get together and talk about the what ifs and what if my business fails, or what if I want to buy out my partner, um, or what if I'm having problems with an employee and have to terminate them. But really, it's an, an it's an education process, and if you can go into a situation, particularly your own business, being as educated as you can, um, it's just gonna it's just gonna pay dividends in the long run. And, and quite frankly, I think I think it's almost a necessity if you're going to be a successful business owner. You have to really almost become a, a bit of a legal expert and a bit of an IT expert in social media and marketing, and um, you have to know what you're buying. Bring in the experts for sure, um, but, you, but the education piece of it is just as important for the individual business owner.
1: Yeah, it certainly is. Thank you for that important reminder. So i have a I have a bunch of questions actually that came in since I posted uh, requests in social media for anybody who who needs some you know little points, little pointers, or heads up on things. So uh, why don't we go ahead and start with those and uh, see where we go from there? Because this is really interesting to me too. I plan on uh, uh, learning a lot from you, Amy. So thank you. So of course. So the- yeah. So the first one is is actually a fellow coach. And um, she's at the point in growing her practice, which is very exciting. She's one of my clients. And she's growing her practice to the point where she's ready to bring on some other coaches as independent contractors to work with some of her clients. And mm-hmm. so I'll read, I'll read the three specific questions, but she's looking basically for the key points she needs to know and needs to be, make certain are in independent contractor agreements. Like, um, what insurance should she require the 1099 coach to carry and how long, uh, would a non-compete be for and how can she protect herself against, against, uh, her Contractors actually taking the clients and, and going off on their own because they can maybe perhaps make it cheaper for the clients to work directly with them. And uh, what mistakes do people new to to contracting out like that usually make? So um, the first one was what what insurance should she require?
2: Um, The insurance, and again, so this will be dependent on what type of business that individual person is. It's going to be different for someone who is hiring um, people to help them paint or uh, roofers or uh, laying uh, concrete in this situation. What she probably wants to do is just reach out to a um, commercial um, business um, uh, insurance person and talk to them about, in the scope of their business, what is the right policy to have and quite frankly it's probably a very basic commercial liability policy that just says that you are responsible for um your own actions and i'm responsible for my own actions Mm -hmm. and uh should you get sued and in in your capacity then you have insurance uh, um, to cover those instances
1: Mm-hmm. And so I know you're not an insurance expert, so I'll ask this in a more broad sense. Is there a chance that her insurance will need to be adjusted to include uh, the actions of her contractors?
2: Uh, yes, that may, that may very well be the case. So it would be important to talk to your insu- okay. the individual's insurance broker as well to see if they need to expand a little bit more for independent contractors. Okay, so really probably good. a little bit larger or broader policy Um, for the employer as, as well as a policy for the independent contractor.
1: Okay, and we are here with Amy Tepper and uh, Amy Tepper Law, and we're going to be back with you after these few words from sponsors. And this is Marla Tabaka. You'll find me at marlatabaka dot com, and of course in social media at Marla Tabaka in Twitter or just well Marla Tabaka everywhere. So it's going to be really really easy to find me. We'll be right back after this brief break.
0: Unlocking the secrets in you to create a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marlon Tabaka. And we'll be right back after these. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4.
3: Did you know recent studies are suggesting that women with skinny waists but sizable hips are smarter than other women? Scientists at the University of Pittsburgh and the University of California gave cognitive tests to a group of 16,000 women and girls of different body types and found the women with the greatest hip-to-waist proportions scored higher. Hmm, I guess that would make me a walking Encyclopedia Britannica. Now, hold on, that doesn't mean it's okay for us to be a powder pigeon. That's another name for a woman whose sizable hips can take up a whole supermarket aisle. Research suggests that the fat around fuller hips and thighs holds higher levels of omega-3 fatty acids, which helps the brain. I'm not sure if I would rather be able to do the Sunday crossword puzzle or get into those jeans I bought 10 years ago. It's margin name I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas.
0: Welcome back to the Million Dollar Mindset. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it all starts with attitude, and Marla is here to help. It's the Million Dollar Mindset on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Marla Tabaka.
1: And we're here gaining some amazing insight from Amy Tepper, and you can actually learn more from her if you go to her blog, and it is amytepperlaw.blogspot.com, and uh, the the last name is T O E P P E R. So Amy T O E P P E R Law dot. Blogspot.com. Thanks again for being here, Amy. This is so great. You're answering these questions in such a wonderful way. And I know that a lot of people, not just the people asking them, are really going to appreciate your insights. So the, the next question my client has, uh, the first was about insurance, and that was awesome. And uh, she said, how long would the non-compete, like should the contractor leave her employee or maybe, wow, an employee, I don't know. uh, How long should it be for a year or two or how does that work?
2: You know, I think really the um, – so, so for those folks who may not know, what the non-compete basically says is if I'm going to hire you on as an employee or an independent contractor, and should that relationship end, uh, what you agree, employee or independent contractor, is that you will not compete directly with me for a period of X amount of years, months. And so that means that when you leave, you can't go and start up your own business and take some of these clients from me. And we're going to put that in a written agreement um, such that if that person doesn't hold up their end of the bargain, I have legal recourse to uh, enforce that agreement. And so really in, in a in a very broad way, that is simply what a non-compete agreement is. Um, non-compete agreements are um, – looked at by the courts in each individual state as whether or not they are reasonable in time and scope uh, so that means that if we are in an identical business and you open up something down the street from me um, and you're nearby um, i'm going to make sure that you're not going to be able to take any of my clients because we're in the same geographical area doing the exact same thing so if there's a, an issue with whether or not the non-compete um, is valid. The, the courts will look at time and reasonableness. And quite frankly, one year to two years is within um, it, within that window. And really more often I see uh, a two-year time period because that puts enough time in between the end of the relationship um, for that employer to uh, solidify existing relationships, um, mm-hmm. make sure that that independent contractor employee who has left is, uh, um, you know, giving things a little bit of time to settle down. But one to two years is pretty common. With with two years uh, uh, being what I see more often. Okay. And it's it's an important important piece um, in an employer's toolbox.
1: Okay. Wonderful. Good good advice. And uh, finally, are there any mistakes that you see quite often with with uh, employers who are new to contracting out their work?
2: Uh, yes. So the idea of an independent contractor versus an employee is a hot-button issue for the IRS. And so, you know, that's the government agency that's coming in to say, well, you have not classified that worker correctly, and the reason why, of course, is because if you've classified them correctly, you are, you are, or incorrectly rather, you are not paying your share of um, taxes. <laughs> mm, so it, that's it's important really, to them. <laughs> it's really quite, quite simply, um, no other reason than that. There is a, mm-hmm. a no moral reason or. Uh, Business reason, it it comes down to the money there. So uh, generally speaking, um, an independent contractor um, analysis, so to speak, and and, and you can find this on the IRS webpage, whether or not they're an independent contractor or employee, but it comes down to really um, three categories of analysis. And the first is behavioral. Does the company control or have the right to control what the worker does? and how the worker does his or her job. So the more control you exert on a worker, the more likely that person really should be an employee. So in other words, um, you have to come to the office between nine to five. You have to sit there in this desk from nine to five. Um, These are the um, rules that you have to follow. I'm requiring you to complete contracts based on my timeline and not yours. So that's kind of the behavioral piece. The financial piece is how is the worker's job controlled by the payer? So these include things like, how are you paid? Are expenses reimbursed? Who provides the tools and supplies? So that, that sort of thing. Um, if you're working with all your own equipment, uh, then you're probably more likely to be an independent contractor as opposed to um, being provided resources from the employer. And then the type of relationship. Are there any written contracts um, in place that would kind of be a guide as to what the relationship is. So in other words, what's the expectation? What are the totality of the circumstances? What's the agreement between the two parties? So in in a very short way, the mistakes that people have when they're new to uh, 1099 independent contractors is quite frankly simply treating them too much like an employee. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be very cautious. If they're going to be independent contractors, they have to be independent of you. Yeah. Um and, okay. and so really that that's that's a um a, a major issue.
1: Yeah, you mentioned time, you have to report to work at this time as being one of the criteria here. In the case where uh the independent contractor is servicing clients uh like this this case and she will ha- she or he will have to be at a designated space um, many times a week just to service that client for an hour or two hours. Does that fall into that criteria, or is that loose enough and broad enough that it won't?
2: So it can be you know it can be loose and broad enough where it won't, but really, I almost kind of look at it like a, a scale or a teeter totter. So when you take all of the circumstances of that particular relationship and you start putting pieces on each side of the scale. Which way is the scale going to tip? Okay, and good. so, the more pieces that you put on one side of um, the type of pay, what kind of equipment they are using, whether or not you restrict them, you know, from other opportunities of employment, all of these things will will weigh in, in one way or another. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. and, and, and and I'm sure people don't like to hear this, it is a, unfortunately a fact-based analysis for that individual person. Um, the safest way if if you feel like you're not sure is for absolutely talk to an attorney um Mm -hmm. and 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 we can work through those steps together
1: okay wonderful thank you All right, we're going to move to the next scenario. Um, We have two business partners who are really, in the eyes of the law, unofficial because they never signed a partnership agreement. Uh, The only agreement in place is an LLC. Well, the only documents in place is the LLC under both of their names. Um, At this point, after about a year, maybe a little more in business together, they've decided to uh, somewhat amicably split The debt, the income and the clients. So here's how it looks. Partner A is taking the brand and the website and, um, you know, some of the clients and some of the debt. And partner B is just taking some of the clients, some of the debt. And of course, the revenue that goes along with that on both sides. But. Partner A is really dragging her feet in actually taking the steps to make this happen, like removing the other partner's client list from their activity logs and informing employees that this is is happening and giving the employees the choices that they need to have. And so... He is wondering at what point or if he can even go ahead and have that discussion with employees or his employees too at this point and go in and remove the clients that he's taking with him from this, this um, pseudo partnership uh, from, from their activity database.
2: Sure, of course. I want to just kind of make two points in response to that question. The first is, again, taking a step back and getting out ahead of the problem with an LLC. And and, and for those of you who who know or, or may not understand, an LLC is just one particular type of business entity um, that offers protection for the individual partners or, or, or uh, business people in the company to uh, separate themselves from, Um, the liabilities of the company such that personal assets can't be um, sought after. So if you get sued, your house won't be taken away, but rather just whatever is in the LLC um, is what, what folks will have access to should a judgment be entered. So with that, the LLC in place, that provides a level of protection, which is good, but you also have to have what they call an operating agreement. And again, um, you know, taking the time at the outset to sit down with an attorney and say, this relationship is great right now. We're excited to get going. We can't wait. And uh, we're both on the same page today. And an attorney will say, I'm excited you're on the same page today, but let's talk about what it might be like two years from now, five years from now, you know, six months from now. And that operating agreement will essentially be a, a contract, so to speak, between the partners to say, um, what if? What if I move? What if I get relocated? Uh, what if I die? What if I no longer want to be part of this business? What procedures are we going to have in place to accommodate for those changes? And the more that you have written up front, the, quite frankly, the easier it's going to be um, mm-hmm in this situation here. Yeah. So the second point is um, what I would do in, in this situation is put in writing, um, keep everything in writing absolutely all the time, documentation, uh, document, document. And I would, I would have partner A who is taking the brand and the website simply uh, clarify that um, we've uh, mutually agreed to the following things. This is how we plan on splitting, splitting up the business and I would, if they're both administrators on the website and have access to the same uh, database, I would say, you know, you have agreed to take down X, Y, and Z. If you should not, by, um, you know, July 21st or July 26th, not complete this, please understand that I will go ahead and remove these clients on my own. Okay.
1: If there is anything
2: in this email that is um, inaccurate, uh, please let me know. Otherwise, I will proceed. Okay. I
1: like that. And we're going into break, so I just want to recap that a little bit when we come back from this break because you just made a really kind of wonderful point there. And uh, I am here with Amy Tepper, and you can find Amy at what's your, your uh, web address, Amy?
2: AmyTepperLaw.com.
1: Awesome. We're going to be back after these words from sponsors, and uh, you can find me at Marla Tabaka, T-A-B-A-K-A dot com. I look forward to hearing from you there.
0: Unlocking the secrets in you to create a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marlon Tabaka. And we'll be right back after these.
4: Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors, all quilters just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind the scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in north america to listen to a live show tune in monday at 4 p.m eastern just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio to hear past shows go to itunes and search for american patchwork and quilting radio we hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything What is going on?
1: Whatever do you mean, dear?
4: Why have you taken me to our special place to eat?
2: Sweetheart, I took you to El Charo on the Ridge tonight because I know you love it, and I wanted this meal to be the very best.
4: Oh, honey, those fajitas smell divine.
2: I know, my
1: dear. Everything about El Charo on the Ridge is wonderful, just like everything about you.
4: Oh, my sweet, sweet man.
2: I can't stand it any longer. Let's take our love of El Charo food and each other to the next level. Marry me, darling.
4: Baby, you don't know how long I've waited for you to ask. Of course i'll marry you as long as you promise to take me to el charro's on the ridge on old jacksonville highway by brookshire's fresh anytime i want i'll be yours forever
0: welcome back to the million dollar mindset if you're ready for a big change in your work your career your happiness your life it all starts with attitude and marla is here to help it's the Million Dollar Mindset on TogiNet.com. And now, back to your host, Marlon Tabaka.
1: And we're here learning so much from Amy Tepper. And you can find Amy at amytepperlaw.com. And that's A M Y T O E P P E R. Law L A W and as I said, Amy, thank you because I'm learning a lot, and I know the folks who, who put these questions in for us are really going to appreciate your expertise. So thank you so much again for being here. Of
2: course.
1: Yeah. So going into break, we we're talking about a partner E partner A, partner B, and uh and and you made a great point that I was excited to actually hear that Partner B can simply put everything in writing in an email and send that back with sort of a deadline and that, that a lack of response would indicate approval. Am I understanding that right?
2: Yes, absolutely. Um, so that you essentially are setting yourself up with proper documentation of what you have agreed to in this case just verbally, what the steps that you expect them to take, by a deadline, and if not, then you will go ahead and do that. And if I don't hear back from you, um, you're essentially agreeing to let me do what it is I said I was going to do.
1: Okay, very, very good. And, again, I, I love that you pointed out um, the the operations agreement and the partnership agreement and having all those things in place um, could have made this a better situation, um, so, everybody, this doesn't mean that uh, breaking up is necessarily easier to do with no partnership agreements. <laughs>
2: so,
1: mm-hmm. It yeah. just makes
2: it a little bit easier.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right. So we have a question submitted from uh, through social media when I put the query out there. Uh, that, that this person is dealing with contention from employees that have been fired and continue to somehow create chaos with employees who are still employed by her company. And she finds it very damaging to the organization. And, it, you know, that it, it's such an energy waste. And, of course, that annoys her to no, no uh, length. And uh, the negativity is just hindering everyone's effectiveness. So... What kind of advice might you have here?
2: So um, a couple different levels of uh, problematic former employee. And and let me start sort of with the worst-case scenario. If there is a, pro- a former employee who's causing problems that in any way can be interpreted as um, violent or threatening or that's making your current staff worried in any way, that is, um, you know, Time to bring in authorities, time to either talk to the police about it, um, have um, your IT department block that person's uh, email so that they can no longer communicate with your staff through the company, and then also uh, bring in an attorney to write a cease and desist letter, meaning... You know, dear former employee, we understand what you're doing. We think it's causing irreparable harm to our company as well as, uh, you know, uh, threatening and causing problems internally. Please cease and desist your behavior. So that's sort of worst-case scenario, and I want to encourage employers, if they're at all on the fence about whether or not someone's acting inappropriate to the extent that it's making people nervous, don't be afraid to talk to an attorney about it. Um because you owe you owe a responsibility to your current employees to keep them uh, safe. So um, you know, keep that in mind, and, and don't be afraid to, uh, to to use those resources uh, if it's that questionable. If it's someone who is um, talking to people offline um, at parties or social functions, and dis and just simply um, talking bad about the company, um, a, disc- a a typical disgruntled employee. Um, a couple things there unfortunately right we have no the employer no longer has any control over that former employee and they're going to do what they are going to do and in some ways if it's not threatening or um problematic to your business in a in a dollars and cents way the amount of control that you have over that person is limited that being said the you do have control over your current work staff so that means for example if the disgruntled employee was part of a layoff Make sure that you're communicating with your employees who are still there um, what, the, what the scenario is. I mean, a, a, of course, on a as-needed-to-know as basis, uh, but um, communication with your current employees will go a long way farther than what they're hearing through the grapevine with a disgruntled mm-hmm. employee. Because quite, quite frankly, You never know what's going on with a former employee. That person um, might have had performance issues were terminated for um, harassment issues, and so that disgruntled employee is going to be telling a different story. So the best defense is to tell your own story, and that means keep open communications with the people that are still on board with you so they know the scoop, so they know the story, and they're getting it directly from you, not... um, you know, not worrying about you know what possibly could be.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and basically what you're saying there um, in in coaches terminology would be to really build a solid internal culture and uh, by opening those lines of communications and and uh, making sure that your employees are uh, doing work they love and the things that they're good at and that they're aware that you support them because. It sound, My guess is in this scenario that it's more the latter, that it's disgruntled employees tainting the opinions of current employees. And uh, in that case, congratulations to this, this business for getting rid of employees who carry the toxic thoughts and spread the toxic fumes and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, hopefully keeping the ones who are not doing that. But in, in very... Uh, appropriate ways, the current employees need to be reminded that um, their loyalty needs to be with the employer and uh, in, in very kind, appropriate ways. And I think that the best way to do that is to take good care of your employees and, and to really, really go deep with building a culture where they're a part of, of the company's growth and the company's future and that they know they're valued and appreciated.
2: Absolutely you want to you want to engage your current employees and don't engage your former employees you know yeah. don't get into an argument on social media about what happened it's better to take the high road
1: always, always, and social media opens up a whole new can of worms so let's go there next and uh, talk about social media and its implications for Uh, my business, if I have, you know, employees and, you know, of course, vendors and customers out there, and everybody is in social media. Tell us what what kind of implications could occur.
2: Uh, uh, Well, quite quite frankly, uh, everything that we've been talking about and uh, across the board from um, negative uh, comments to threatening comments. And the question is, where are they saying it, how often are they saying it, and who's listening, and do I have control over that person, meaning are they still an employee? And if so, uh, the employer has more options uh, versus a former employee. So people are going to – say what they're going to say, people are going to file litigation, people are going to file charges of discrimination. So the employer can't necessarily always prevent that from happening. What the employer can do is control their response. And by response, meaning document all performance issues, have policies in place that prohibit inappropriate behavior or discriminatory behavior, Um, have a social media policy in place that lays out exactly what employees can and cannot do and and what they can talk about, have confidentiality agreements in place with people, know that there are, uh, whether it be trade secrets or intellectual property uh, or customer lists or pricing, that that is proprietary to that business. And should uh, employees, whether you know former or um, current employees, be be spreading that confidential information, then the employer has another tool in their toolbox to have that behavior stop. Mm-hmm. And that again, it would be a cease and desist letter from their attorney, saying that we have an agreement in place, and uh, you have agreed that what you're saying is confidential, and you have to you have to stop saying it.
1: Yeah and and a, a shout out to employees to really wake up and realize that this has become an amazing resource for uh people who are hiring, seeking talent, and for HR company, HR divisions, and and for entrepreneurs to find out about you. And I personally know someone, she's not a close friend, obviously, and you'll know why in a minute, but I personally know someone who sat outside her place of employment um, posting on Facebook how much she was dreading to go into this god-awful place. And guess where she ended up within the next 24 hours? She did not have a job at that god awful place anymore. So you please watch what you say about your employer, even if it's not uh, something that cannot be legally disclosed. But your attitude toward your employer in social media is really, really important. So I'm curious, Amy, did that employer really have a case? She was a part time employee. We've only got under two minutes left, but she was a part time employee and she was dismissed for that action. Mhm. Did that employer it, it really have a case?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they could absolutely have a case and uh it is no longer a private there is there is limited amount of privacy, and people think that even in the world of uh, uh, Facebook, where it, it was initially set out that it was just family and friends and that you can share what you want, and these intimate circles, these circles are no longer intimate. And, mm-hmm. and employees have to be very, so very cautious about that because it is much, much easier to find information on people than it was uh, 30 years ago. It's, it's at everyone's fingertips all the time. Mm-hmm.
1: It certainly is. So when we come back in our final segment, I'd love to talk about the employee handbook and and some workers' comp kinds of things. Uh, Those are important for every employer to be aware of, and especially that employee handbook. Well, not especially, but I know just from my perspective that the employee handbook is something that almost never gets done in a micro business. And uh, Mm -hmm. so I'm looking forward to hearing the legal side of that and what you have to say about that. And I'm here with Amy Tepper, and she's very kind to be here today and answer our questions without charging me or you or anything. <laughs> so, this is the kind of attorney she is. So, you can certainly find her quite easily online at Amy Tepper. That's T O E P P E R law amyteperlaw.com. And uh, Amy, I know your blog has some great stuff. So that's amyteperlaw.blogspot.com. So everybody make sure and head over there for for more insights from Amy. And you'll find me at marlatabaka.com. I'd love to hear from you there. If you have show ideas or you think you have something that would be great for our audience to hear and want to come on the show, just let me know. Go to marlatabaka.com and go to that contact Tech Forum, and I look forward to hearing from you. We'll be right back.
0: Unlocking the secrets in you to create a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marlon Tabaka, and we'll be right back after these.
3: Recently, I was returning from a summer vacation, using my GPS to guide me through the New Mexico mountains, and got lost. Since I was alone, I decided to see if my iPhone pal Siri, the lovable anthropomorphic virtual assistant, could help with my situation. Siri has earned a bit of a reputation as a sarcastic, sassy, and brickety companion, often engaging in humorous baffle gab. Siri is entertaining, but I found it a bit unnerving as she kept asking me questions by calling my name, like, Carolyn, I cannot find any gas stations within 80 miles of your location. Or, Carolyn, there are no hamburger restaurants near here. What's a word for feeling your thoughts are being stolen? Neucleptia. It's
0: Words You Never
3: heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas
0: information about book publishing is power the power to change your authoring life and the power to change the lives of your readers so join us for your guide to book publishing everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host dr judith briles It's Your Guide to Book Publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Thursday evenings at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Welcome back to The Million Dollar Mindset. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it all starts with attitude and Marla is here to help. It's The Million Dollar Mindset. On com, And now, back to your host, Marlon Tabaka.
1: You are listening to Million Dollar Mindset Radio, where today you are getting all of your business legal questions answered. We're here with Amy Tepper. And uh, Amy, you've just been a wealth of very generous information. And so I want to let people know that you are available to speak at conferences, professional related organizations, or other form- uh, forums that. Uh, relate to employment law training, employment issues, harassment, avoidance, and other methods to reduce risk in in business and One of the things that I love about your business model, Amy, is that you do certain you perform certain legal tasks at a flat rate. And so there's a fixed cost involved, and I know that that's what prevents a lot of entrepreneurs from going to an attorney when they really need to because they, they, because of the unpredictable costs and a fear of being um, billed for something that is outrageous or not wanting to spend time speaking to the attorney. Not, I see that a lot. We don't want to reach out because it's going to cost us $200 for a phone call. So um, can you just give us a real quick example of the types of services you perform at uh at fixed cost.
2: Absolutely. So sometimes people, small businesses especially, need someone to just simply incorporate them in a particular state. They need a confidentiality agreement. They need a handbook. And my my goal as an attorney uh, is to build a relationship with those businesses to help them grow, to support them, and make sure that they are uh, protected. And if I want to be able to do that, I want that relationship to be mutually beneficial but also comfortable in letting a relationship grow in the the organic way it should grow. So that means that I don't want someone sitting across the table from me or in my office or at their office thinking to themselves every minute that goes by, the meter on the taxi cab continues to click along. Mm -hmm. Um, So I provide these sort of flat rates, which will include the consultation and meetings and follow-up So that particularly small businesses who can't afford to pay outrageous legal legal fees um, have tools in place to make sure they're protected at a a fixed cost that they can um, predict and, and know
1: mm-hmm that's that's wonderful to know and i'm sure it'll put a lot of people's mind at ease so thank you and you mentioned something called an employee handbook i'd love to talk about that because i think it's most often in micro businesses something that really never gets done and so amy would you tell us exactly what is an employee handbook and why it's so important absolutely
2: so um it's an employee handbook is something that um, both employers and employees think to themselves, "Ugh!" <laughs>
1: uh-huh.
2: Whether it's exactly. creating one or reading one, mm-hmm. and but let me tell you from the perspective of an attorney and uh, someone who litigates employment matters, your employee handbook is Exhibit A in the deposition or uh-huh. at trial. Uh, God forbid quite frankly, mm-hmm. and so what that means is that we you know what are ways to reduce liability as employers and I say You know think in terms of being PC P stands for policies and C stands for consistency So you have a book full of policies that lay out the expect quite frankly just simply the Expectations between the employer and the employee what the relationship is going to be and that includes um, Cell phone use policy, uh, guns in the workplace, anti-harassment uh, policies, non-retaliation policies, uh, Americans with Disabilities Compliance, how you're going to get paid, when are the paydays—really, you know, from A to Z, sort of all of the um, elements that that uh, are involved in that particular relationship. Okay. So I, I cannot express the importance enough of having. A handbook in place particularly in individual states or where you may operate in individual states because Illinois has laws that Indiana does not or that Wisconsin does not and so you, it, you again just a little bit of uh, uh, preparatory work will save the employer uh, from exposure and and by exposure I'm, I'm just I say I say money that re- that's really what it comes down to is the cost of uh, solving problems after the problems occur and so then taking those policies which are acknowledged in writing by the employee and that acknowledgement that says, I have read all of the terms of my employee handbook, I understand them, I have no questions, and I'm signing my name here and this is going into my personnel file because the employee handbook acknowledgement form is exhibit B in my deposition. Mm -hmm. So I ask the employee who's suing you for religious discrimination or racial discrimination do you recognize uh, mr. and Mrs. Pla- mr. and Mrs. plaintiff this employee handbook? Yes, I do. Um, did you familiarize yourself with its terms? Uh, no, I never got a chance to read it. Well let me introduce Exhibit B. this is your signature that says you have read it and this is your signature that gave you an opportunity to ask questions before you signed. Is this your signature? Yes so here it is this protection from an employer to say I gave you notice of what Mm -hmm. the expectations were. I told you what would happen if the expectations weren't met, and I consistently applied that policy across the board. So PC.
1: Mm-hmm. I love that. I love it. And so I already know, just because I know how micro business owners work, I already know there are folks sitting out there saying, oh, come on, I, I really, I just have one or two employees and they're either A, working with me in my basement office and, and so we're really a tight knit bunch or B, they're all virtual. We don't even have, we don't even have a brick or and mortar office. So do I really need to do this?
2: Yeah, and it's, it's it's sometimes uncomfortable, right? So we have this close relationship with people. It is a micro-business, and now we're asking them to sign off on this, uh, uh, you know, big booklet of an employee handbook, right? And, quite frankly, a, a very short and simple conversation before that says, listen, this simply just protects you and me. This is something that we can turn to if we have problems or if there's questions or if, you know, the relationship is no longer mutually beneficial, This, again, is how we're going to end it in the same way a partnership agreement would end or um, an operating agreement, an LLC, would would, uh, wind itself up. And so just by having something in place, it just protects the employer. And then also, too, in terms of um, um, unemployment, I mean, even if it's a micro business and then you terminate that employee, that employee is going to ask for unemployment compensation from you. And in the state of Illinois, for example, that person gets unemployment compensation for being terminated unless it has been gross misconduct on the part of the employee. So if you have fired someone just because there's been a disagreement or because you no longer have uh, enough work for them to do, you know, be prepared that all that documentation will wind up having – being – uh, an unemployment issue, which they'll, an unemployment compensation, which they will get compensation for. So, uh, you know, it doesn't sound like a big deal for these people that have little businesses, but it's important because in that handbook, if you can define gross misconduct as, you know, an employee that's stole, uh, theft, destruction of property, stealing, anything along those lines, um, that means no unemployment compensation and, again, uh, less exposure for the employer.
1: Yeah very good. So our most handbooks for and again, we're referring to small businesses here, probably m- businesses under two million and, and as small as, you know 100,000. Um, are, are most of these handbooks pretty similar in nature?
2: And they are pretty similar in nature, in, in in the sense that they are laying out what the relationship is and the prohibited conduct, and that is going to be the same across the board. And again, when I say the individual states, there are some tweaks that have additional policies um, for employees' uh, protection, but for the most part, they're going to be they're going to have the same type of language um, across the board, and and that's just a, a, a prohibiting certain types of behavior and. Okay. And letting know what the ramifications of that will be. So,
1: so it almost sounds like, again, thinking like the employer here, the small business owners, and I, I can hear them saying, "Oh gosh, it sounds like so much trouble." But it almost sounds like they can simply call you and say, "Look, I need an employee handbook, and you guys can have a discussion, and you can produce this thing,
2: right?" Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And it's a, uh, and it's not, not a. Uh, humongous project to do. As you said, there are uh, consistent policies across the board that everyone should have an employee handbook, and that can simply be tailored to that individual's uh, business.
1: Okay, wonderful. So I know we wanted to get into a lot about um, FMLA and ADA and workers' comp and all those kinds of complicated things, but we only have two minutes left. So, real quick, are there any workmen's comp things that, or, or any of those things that you think are really critical for people to know?
2: Uh, what I what, the piece that I wanted to speak on just really briefly is if you have a medical issue that comes up with an employee, it, it is it can be a, a complicated um, triangle between FMLA, ADA, and workers' comp. So family medical leave, if it applies to you because your business has fifty or more employees, uh, Americans with Disabilities and workers' comp. So did that person get injured on the job? Does that person have a serious medical condition? And or does that person have a disability such that it uh, prohibits them from certain life activities? And all of those different scenarios um, are closely intertwined. And so what what I like to tell employers is before you do anything, for sure talk to an attorney about how best to handle an employee that comes to you and says, I need a stool. Well, I, I need to leave early because I can't drive at night. I can't lift more than 25 pounds because of my back. You know, let's let's put some steps and, and procedures in place to make sure that we're handling that right because that's a okay. really, really big um, area of exposure for many employers.
1: Wonderful. Wow. Some really valid tips that I don't think that your average small business owner would even think about. So thank you so much, Amy. Amy, we are about to close the show. And again, thank you so much for for being here on behalf of my audience and myself. Tell us again where we can find you.
2: Uh, If you uh, forget the spelling of my name, please just feel free to do a Google search for Amy Tepper, Naperville Attorney. You'll find me there on a website. My website address is amy tepper law.com there you'll be able to find my blog and all the other uh, ways that you can connect with me
1: beautiful i encourage you all to reach out to amy and uh, i look forward to seeing you all back here on million dollar mindset radio next week thank you for being here today i am marla tabaka and you'll find me in social media please make sure to visit my articles over at Inc magazine slash author slash marla hyphen Tabaka, T-A-B-A-K-A. I hope you'll find lots of good and helpful stuff over there. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you in a week.
0: Thank you for being a part of the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka from Togenet. If you've always known there was more out there for you but you just weren't sure how to get there and if you